This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. I'm Wong Xiaoning and this is The Property Show. Fluffy white towels, freshly starched sheets, a firm bed and smiles all around. What does this describe? Probably hotels because most of us have stayed in at least a few and probably enjoy the experience. But will you buy a hotel? With a nightly battle to secure guests, hotels are not like any other form of property where leases may last months or even years. And even though Malaysia has reopened to international travellers since April last year, should we consider hotels as a viable investment and how complicated is that process? For some insights, we speak to James Buckley, Executive Director at Knight Frank Malaysia. Thank you for joining us, James. Now, first off, can I assume buying a hotel is not for everyone? Do you need to be a sophisticated investor to even consider this type of investment? I mean, look, I mean, certainly um, hotels are really unlike sort of the more traditional uh, real estate sectors like offices or retail. Um, I mean, you're really buying, you're buying a, an operating business. Um, so your due diligence of the asset um, has to be very thorough. You need to, you're not just looking at the bricks and mortar. You're looking at the, you know, into the business, how it's operating, how it can be improved. Um, so I would say that you do have to be quite a sophisticated investor to invest into hotel. Okay, we'll get into the weeds in, in terms of what we should be considering. But to be fair, we are talking about a wide range of hotels to consider. And not every deal is a five-star hotel with four or five hundred rooms, right? Because I've seen a mushrooming of what I call shop lot hotels too. Um, so give us an idea on the types of hotels that are actually for sale. I mean, perhaps if I can just take a step back um, to the pre-pandemic, uh, the long-term average um, of transactions actually happening every year across Malaysia is about one billion ringgit. Um, and during the pandemic, um, you know, although we've seen an increasing range of different types of hotels coming onto the market, we saw the number of actual hotels transacting relative to that long-term average of one billion a year um, actually falling. So in 2020, there was about 640 million ringgit of transactions that year. That dropped to 192 million in 2021 and was about 245 million last year. So this, um, this, 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 I think there was an expectation that there would be a lot of interesting opportunities coming onto the market during the pandemic. Um, but I think there are a couple of reasons really why we didn't see the transaction. I think there was uh, quite a gap in expectations between what vendors expected for their hotels and what buyers were willing to pay. And I think a lot of, a lot of the hotel owners um, are long-term investors that have held their assets for many years and they don't have a lot of debt. Um, we ran a, uh, a hotel investment intention survey last year and one of the questions we asked was, um, how much debt do you have on your hotel? Interestingly, we found that 43% of respondents had a, had a loan-to-value ratio of less than 49%. Um, and indeed, 17% had actually no debt at all. There was only 9% that were highly leveraged at 70% and above. So, um, you, you know, I mean, I think definitely owners of hotels have had a really challenging few years during the pandemic, but they, they, have, they are on the whole quite prudently uh, leveraged and have been able to weather that storm. And that's why we haven't seen the distress that, you know, many, many people were expecting. Okay, so I suppose hotel owners seem like a very prudent bunch. 
But what about 2023? Do you see transaction values going back to pre-pandemic levels of, like you say, 1 billion uh, ringgit? What's currently on offer in the market at this moment? I mean, I did notice on your website, uh, for example, the Double Tree in Malacca and the Hilton Garden in Kiel, they were listed in the fourth quarter night frame report. I mean, ha- have they been sold? What's the demand like for hotels like that? Yeah, or interest? Um, so, yeah, so I can't go into the, the specifics of of actual hotels on 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 a call like this because there's a lot of um, you know confidential information which I, I can't share unless you know, non-disclosure agreements are signed. But um, we we do have a number of prime five-star hotels which uh, rarely come onto the market, uh, and um, so I think 2023 is going to be a really good year. Um, I think you know hotels in Malacca there there are very few um, five-star. You know, internationally branded hotels in that city that benefits from its proximity to Singapore and also to Kuala Lumpur, and we've actually seen the the um, you know the, the stats coming out of Malacca have been really encouraging. In fact, they're outperforming almost every every state or every city across Malaysia. So, um, actually, this really highlights the point that um, hotel investments are not for everybody. You really do need to to do a bit of a deep dive in terms of the domestic of the market itself, right? Uh, but the other thing I want to know is that have they just generally been more interest and in terms of what you know potential buyers are willing to pay versus what sellers are willing to let go has that price mismatch narrowed in the last let's say six months I, I think I think it is I think you know uh, buyers expectations are, are 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 improving they can see they can see the data you know they can see that that, that the the international arrivals are coming back. Occupancy is coming back strongly. It's probably going to reach pre-pandemic levels this year. Um, so they are. I mean, really, there's there's a window of opportunity here because you know as the market gets back to pre-pandemic levels, I think a lot of these prime hotels, you know, they're they're not going to they, they won't come they won't be on the market. The, ven- the vendors will just decide. Well, look, you know, I'm back back to sort of pre-pandemic levels. Uh, it's generating good. Good cash flow. Why? Why should I sell it? And and you know that's often what we found pre-pandemic was the prime end of the market. You rarely saw the internationally branded hotels coming on the market. Okay. So there's this window of opportunity. I think vendors and and uh, the gap between vendors and buyers' expectations is narrowing. And I I would expect to see some more deals being done this year. What has pricing been like, James? I know you can't comment on specific hotel transactions, but in general, maybe give us a gauge of what it was like pre-pandemic and if you could just cite maybe most recently what you know, what the prices have been transacted at like. And does it vary very differently between, let's say, a five-star hotel or three-star hotel, for example? So, I mean, as a, as a business, Night Frank is more focused on the, on the internationally branded hotels. I mean, we do sell some um, sort of three to four-star hotels. So, I mean, the, the difficulty during the pandemic years was, of course, um, you know, the operating operating performance of these assets was really completely smashed to pieces. And, and so you w- weren't able to really use the operating performance, you know, uh, as, a, as a gauge for uh, you know, what the value of the hotel was. So, you know, very often we would look back at the, pre, the pre-pandemic uh, operating statistics uh, and then also sort of project out from 2023 onwards for three years to see how that might might uh, recover uh, and, and arrive at a price. Now, in terms of uh, actual pricing for five-star hotels, it, it really varies from 
location to location. I think the last trans sizable transaction that was done was the, the sale of the Sheraton Imperial Hotel on John Sultanish Mile. Um, and this was a, a transaction that Nifrank acted on behalf of the owners, which um, were two, two owners over, from overseas. That was the entire building. So there was the office component as well as the, the hotel rooms and, and car parking. Um, but you know, overall, I think if you if you strip out the the value attributed to the office and the car parking, the room rate would have would have been about four hundred fifty five thousand per key. Um, so that's you know considerably less than than what some of the transactions that were occurring pre pandemic. Um, you know, the hotel like the Aloft Hotel in KL Central, which sold for I think from memory about eight hundred seventy thousand per key. There've been transactions even higher than that. Um, but I think it's not just all about price per key. It's also about um, the return that the incoming investor is going to get from surveys that we've carried out from investment groups. You know, the sort of range that investors are, are, look, are, are looking to acquire at is around the six to six and a half percent net yields. Yeah. That often there, there's often a mismatch between the price per key and and the net yield. Um, and that's that's the difficulty we face because you know constructing these five star hotels is, is a very costly business. Yeah, and refurbishing. And refurbishing, the, you know, and so, and um, yeah, often often it's cheaper to buy an existing five star hotel than it is to build it. Okay. So aside from the property price itself, you know, the sticker price for the hotel, uh, what other transactional costs need to be considered if I you know if I was a millionaire and I was looking for a hotel property to buy? So of course, the stamp duty, the stamp duty is a big one. Um, and so, if you're buying the asset, um, I mean, you know, there's a sliding scale up to one million ringgit, um, but anything above one million, and you're looking at four percent. There's, of course, if you were to buy the company that holds the hotel, then that's a, a share transfer, and, and of course, the stamp duty is a lot less. Uh, it's 0.3 percent uh, as opposed to four percent. But of course, buying a company is can be um, you know, more complicated in terms of, you know, the inherent um, tax liabilities that you might be in, might be assuming. So, you know, you need to do very uh, careful due diligence, financial and tax due diligence before deciding to, to, to take that step. And um, so that's one stamp duty, of course, legal fees. Um, uh, you, you might want to, if you haven't got it in-house, I, I would really recommend doing some form of comprehensive physical due diligence on the asset. Um, you know, uh, it's really costly. You've got to come up with estimates in terms of uh, replacement of mechanical and electrical um, and uh, come up with a sort of timeline as to when these items might need to be replaced. And those ones in the short term, you know, perhaps you should think about um, you know, factoring in those costs into your acquisition price. On the property show this morning, we are speaking to James Buckley, Executive Director at Nightfrag Malaysia. After the break, have hotels recovered from the pandemic is, and is buying a hotel honestly just an asset play? BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're tuned in to the property show and I'm Wong Xiaoning. Today joining us for a conversation on the hotel property market is James Buckley, Executive Director at Nine Frank Malaysia. Before the break, how do you actually even value a hotel? Now, James... We do need to make this comparison with the rest of the region, like in Thailand and Singapore or even in Indonesia. So um, my question is, are international hospitality names interested in expanding their presence here? Is, you know, what's, what's, how different is the market in Malaysia compared to the rest of ASEAN? 
I, I mean, I think that you know, Malaysia's hospitality market is is very important, and I think you know all of the big uh, global brands, uh, global hotel brands, it, you know, are are in Malaysia or they're you know seeking to expand in the country. Um, you know, if you look at the pre-pandemic uh, tourist arrival numbers across Southeast Asia, you know, Thailand sticks out as being you know in the number one spot with yeah. about forty million tourist arrivals. But Malaysia is second. Malaysia is, you know, 26 million. Uh, Singapore was at 19 million. This is 2019. Vietnam at 18 and Indonesia at 16. So, you know, just, just from that sort of, from, from those tourist arrival numbers, um, I think Malaysia is, is certainly you know, an important place for these big global brands uh, to set up uh, a presence in. And we're, and we're seeing that. I mean, you know, look at, look at, all of the, the hotels that are mushroom, mushrooming around the country. That there is, you know, often cited a concern about too much supply. Yes. These few hotels. Which is going to be my next question because, right. you know, room rates are really a reflection on the demand, right? And yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, room rates in Malaysia for five-star hotels are one of the lowest in the region. Uh, so if we're really having that many tourists, why are room rates here much lower compared to the likes of Bangkok, Jakarta, for example. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question. And, and you're correct that our room rates really are very um, competitive when you look at it on a regional basis. But I think, you know, the devil is really in the details. So um, if you look at this new supply that's coming on stream in KL, um, you know, 60% of that total new supply is going to be coming from the uh, luxury and up, up, upscale segments. Mm. And only 8% of the total existing hotel stock in KL falls into that luxury sector. So it's a sector that we're not currently providing or not providing enough of. And I think that, um, you know, when you open up hotels like the Park Hyatt or the Wardorf Astoria, um, you know, these new luxury offerings are going to be really positive for the market. You're going you're to attract a type of tourist which probably has not been to KL or doesn't come to KL so often because they, they don't have the type, these types of luxury offerings currently in the market. And that's going to be um, really positive for hotel revenues across the sector because these, you know, the Park Hyatt or the Wardors are, are going to be opening at much higher average daily room rates. Okay. Uh, and that, that's going to filter down to the various different sectors. So James, does having a brand like Park Hyatt and Waldorf Astoria attached to a physical hotel property change the valuations or the price you command if you're a seller? Well, I mean, it, it all comes down to um, potential revenue that a hotel can generate. So, you know, if you've got two similar buildings, two, two exactly the same buildings, one is, is an international hotel brand versus um, one that isn't, um, I mean, you 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 would you would expect I mean unless they've unless they've really the the one that the one that is owner operated for example unless they have been able over the years to to develop a really good sort of um, name for themselves uh, you would expect the international brand to be able to generate you know be better occupancy better average daily room rates um, and just I mean essentially better performance. But there's that, fees involved, right? When I mean, there are fees, so you you need to look at you know uh, the the net operating net of all of these fees. Mm. Um, but if you contrast one against the other, 
uh, you, I mean, I, I would, I would expect the value from a from an internationally branded hotel chain to be the performance to be better, and therefore the value to be. But I'm sure there's some obligations on the owner in when you have an international hotel chain operating your property in terms of maintenance, a certain standard, uh, the timeline for refurbishment, aren't those things that you need to factor in if you're going to buy the property? Yes, yes, of course. But you know, you've got to you've got to factor in even as an operator, you've got to also factor in, um, you know, the refurbishment of the hotel and. Um, you know the the upkeep of the general upkeep. You know, but of course you 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 can you can make savings on fees. Uh, but yes, you know certainly those things are need to be factored in. And in Malaysia, what are the regulations when it comes to commercial property ownerships? Are are foreigners allowed to buy uh, hotel properties with ease? So um, you know, unlike some of our um, Southeast Asian neighbours, you know, like Indonesia and Thailand, foreigners can and acquire commercial property. Directly, um, so that's really really positive. Um, however, you know, for acquisitions above twenty million ringgit, these are commercial acquisitions. And if you're acquiring a hotel with which has a non-boomy interest, you still have to seek uh, economic planning unit approval. So it's a government department that you have to go to to get their approval. Uh, and generally, if you're acquiring a hotel which has a non-boomy interest, it's usually not difficult. It's usually quite a straightforward process. The complication starts so when you are acquiring a hotel or a commercial property above 20 million, which is owned by a, a boomy party or a government-linked corporation, um, um, because it goes to economic planning unit approval, and usually you need to have a 30% boomy par- par- party. And that's where some deals can fall through because you know a foreigner might not have a might not have a booby party. Uh, they might not be willing, you know, to buy the asset with with, with a partner. Yeah. Um, so you know, the deal can fall through. So it's it's actually quite difficult for a lot of these um, hotel owners, you know, the the the, the booby hotel owners, because it's restricting their ability to actually sell. Because you know, unless you can find a another booby party to buy the hotel, it, it's it's. It's quite difficult to do the transaction. I mean, so so that's that, that's um, what we see. But overall, uh, when you compare us, say um, Thailand or, or or Indonesia, I think you know our ownership here, our land system is based on the Torrens land system, yeah. um, which is from on the the UK. It's it's a very clean, straightforward, transparent system. Now, one thing we haven't discussed is uh, non-room rate revenue, right? Uh, for hotels, should that be factored in? You know, like F and B, or even um, you know, providing events, um, hosting events. How profitable can all these revenue streams be? Yeah, um, there's there's definitely the opportunity of increasing revenue from food and beverage and, and event spaces. And I think um, you know they should not just be considered uh, as simply amenities, but areas where additional revenue can be created. And you know, usually um, you can create about twenty-five to thirty percent of total revenue can come from these areas, mm. um, and you can get similar sort of profit margin levels as well. Um, so that that can really impact the bottom line. They're important areas, um, and um, you know, hotel owners can try to get more events. You know, so the obvious obvious uh, examples would be you know try and get more weddings, more corporate events, annual parties, conferences. 
to come to 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 their hotels. Um, and you know, but if you can't handle the increase in volume, the other way, of course, is is to try and um, increase the amount of revenue per booking that you have. So. Uh, you know, there's there's lots of lots of ways. I think additional revenue can be created solely than just sort of relying solely on on the on the on the room revenue. Okay, and among your clients, I'm curious. You know, like you say, the 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 net yield is between six to six and a half for hotel property. When they come to you, do they say, James, is this a good investment? Should I consider other types of property? Let's say industrial. You know, where there's probably less maintenance. Or should I instead consider, let's say, a uh, office tower? I mean, where does where do hotel rank in terms of return and even interest? Uh, hotels are, like I said at the beginning of the program, you know, they are very different from those sort of traditional real estate sectors um, in terms of uh, the volume of transactions. I'd say in Malaysia, uh, over sixty percent of all of the transactions done over the last decade have tended to be. Um, sales of of land, mm. so you know we're we're a developing country, um, and you know there's a lot of development that's that's happening, and so you know, investors are very keen on buying sites, um, and and then I'd say you know industrial logistics is is a very strong sector. We we actually have a a separate team at Night Frank that just specialise in in industrial and logistics, um, and then and then on the office sector. Um, you know, there's there's of course the concern about oversupply in that sector, um, and, but we have seen demand from uh, small to medium enterprises, particularly who are looking to buy their own office space for their own occupation. Um, so there's there's um, probably more demand from those kind of privates, private companies that are looking for their own occupation than there are for 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 investors for the office sector. Um, but you know, having said that, you know there, there there haven't been a great deal of really good quality institutional high occupancy you know, new office buildings that are on the market currently, and I think that's also impacting the volume of transactions. Okay, thank you for your time. On that note, I've been speaking to James Buckley, Executive Director at Knight Frank Malaysia. Uh, that's all the time we have on the Property Show this week. Coming up next, we have the 10 a.m. news bulletin followed by Enterprise. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.